Hey y'all, and welcome to The Application, a podcast nestled nicely in the Enrollify Podcast Network. This is your guide, Corinne Myers, and I am so excited to share my love of high-grade Marcoms, student experience, and campus worlds. My friends at RaRa were also enough to sponsor all of the insights and ideas I get to share with you over the course of The Application's episodes. So let's get into it. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. This is the final episode of the season, um, so no pressure, Safi. I'm here with Safi. She's going to introduce herself, and we're going to talk about experiences, which is like the theme of all of these episodes, but indirect experiences, and we'll get mm. into that, <laughs> what it means <laughs> in a second, but I will let Safi introduce it. Safi, what do you do? What have you done in higher ed, in marketing, and content? Tell us about yourself. Hey, everyone. So I'm Safania Safi Stevenson. I'm the Associate Director of Integrated Strategy at Simpson Scarborough, and I have been in all types of educational roles, whether it be higher ed, um, I've done marketing and content for a children's museum, which is kind of like that hands-on early childhood development experiences and whatnot. But I actually started out my career in television news production. So being a producer on the line um, here in the Raleigh market, and then was wanting to kind of take a shift. I got like recruited to do a special project at the station and I actually really fell in love with doing all the web content planning um, for the special projects and was like ooh, I kind of want to not just talk about death and destruction all day um, <laughs> and <laughs> I decided to kind of roll into where I'm at now which is kind of like that PR marketing communication kind of content all rolled up we know that we wear multiple hats so um, yeah super excited to be here and talk about experiences and the elusive indirect experience. <laughs> so Safi and I just finished up a TikTok masterclass. So definitely worth checking out at, um, via Enrollify as well. I think Enrollify is going to get tired of us. Actually, Zach is going to get tired of us. Um, during those hours <laughs> and hours and then more hours of like not only prep for that, but also like our like tangent conversations that didn't result in anything productive just us talking <laughs> which is productive honestly it's productive. But it didn't result in anything on a slide we've talked about kind of indirectly indirect experiences mm-hmm. and we've been i think we've been thinking about this a lot because it's like we think of like student experiences or prospective student experiences through the lens of like in-person interactions like what are they doing on the website? How are they doing a campus tour? Like, are they talking to faculty? But like this idea of like, as marketing communication professionals, we're trying to capture those experiences and then show them. And so like this idea of indirect experiences, which probably isn't new, but one of my favorite things about being a strategist is putting names to things so we can then create (laughs) strategy around them. So indirect experiences, and like what the hell it is. So Safi, you gave a really good example the other day. Tell me what you think, like what it, what are indirect experiences? Yeah, so the example that I gave the other day was talking about comparing my love for caffeine and what decision, what kind of caffeine I'm gonna have day to day. And one of the things I talked about from an indirect experience uh, was Starbucks, right? Like if I'm a person at Starbucks, I've never been to Starbucks ever in my life and Starbucks is trying to create brand affinity with me and get me to come into a store and enjoy a coffee. What happens if every day that I drive by Starbucks and I see the drive through line wrapped around the building and into the road? 
I've got five minutes to get coffee in the morning on my commute to work. And for me, that's an indirect negative experience. I just don't have like my perception of what is going on within that little Starbucks that I'm passing every day. It's like, whoa, this is too much for me. One, I don't have the time to wait in line. Two, I'm also going to assume that the service is potentially bad or slow. And those are assumptions that I'm making without even having interacted with Starbucks. I'm already not a Starbucks fan. I have never talked to a barista. I've never had a drink, but all because I've had this indirect experience with just seeing the line wrap around the building has already kind of turned me off from the brand. And I haven't even had a direct experience with it yet. So that was one thing that I was considering, um, especially when we talk about higher ed, what are some of those indirect experiences that we have um, that sometimes we're not even aware of that they're indirect and also negative? Yeah, so through that conversation that we had that no one else was privy to, but uh, Safi and I had, thinking about indirect experiences and the example of Starbucks, which by the way, you just need mobile order in your life. Uh, I do have mobile order now. I'm a Starbucks <laughs> fan. This is just an example, okay? Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that you were not missing out on Starbucks. I'm a pretty big point system snob. Yes. Yes. See, loyalty. We should have an entire episode about loyalty programs. Yes. Anyway, there are like three, I think we identified three different types of indirect experiences. So like there's like the intentional capturing of firsthand experiences via content to influence mm-hmm. others. Like the marketing communications role, like, right, you're like going and like doing a video of somebody experiencing something firsthand and you're capturing it so others can experience it indirectly and you're like capturing good moments. There's also this idea of like seeing others having experience and associating that experience with the brand. So I think that's, um, Safi, that's the example you gave about Starbucks. Um, that's also, you know, if a friend, I think, we use, you also mentioned this example when we were talking the other day. If a friend says something, you know, they're like talking about a, an experience they had and they're talking to you about it, that's like another indirect experience. Mm-hmm. Again, this idea of somebody else is experiencing it and you're seeing it or being exposed to it somehow. Mm-hmm. And then there's this idea of exposure to messages. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is really a good example in higher ed is everybody, all the news stations, everybody's talking about the cost of higher ed. And so those messages, maybe you're not in an institution, maybe you're a prospective student, but now you're you're associating, you know, this the, the, all these exposure that you're getting to the messages that now college is expensive, even if like in your instance it wasn't or isn't. Yeah. And there's it's actually, like that. It's like that thought leadership, like thought leadership yeah. influencing what I think about an industry, what I think about a brand, just based on kind of like that high level holistic approach to something versus like an individual experience I've had. Exactly. Yeah. So those three, I think came out and I think my question back to you was like, what, what's the best way to capture experiences in, in like, what, like, what is like, how do we, what, if you think about it, what's the best way to capture firsthand experiences to provide indirect experiences to influence somebody, which is like that first bucket of like, if you're a Marcom team, you're going out intentionally capturing firsthand experiences, again, to influence others via indirect experiences. You're putting it into an email, you're putting it into content, you're putting it into social. What's the best way to do that if you think about it through the lens of 
indirect experiences? That's the question, isn't it? Would it be rich? <laughs> it Would we be millionaires if we oh had the perfect answer and the perfect. framework and the oh. and the tour lined up to talk about it? I know, right? It's like we we talked about three layers deep, and I think this is it was an interesting conversation. Um, so in the TikTok masterclass, um, the suggestion is when you're creating content, especially for TikTok, you think about think about a topic and then go three layers deep because it's never niche enough <laughs> for TikTok. But for indirect experiences, and I actually had this this moment of like aha when I watched um, a recent video. I think it, Purdue produced a video, a brand video, or or their agency partner did. Um, it's a, it follows the life of an individual from her perspective and her experiences as she goes through the life cycle of, of you know, getting into, actually, she's a kid at first, and then she goes through this process. Yeah. And this idea of, like, when we experience things firsthand, we're experiencing them very narrowly, niche, and focused. Yep. So why don't we, as communicators, also do indirect experiences in the same way? Like, why are we creating brand anthem videos that shows you 40 different things? That's not how you experience real world things. Is it? And I know because we talked about this a lot. And one of the things I also think that is a fence or wall here is the fact that that's what we're tasked to do. Hmm. Yeah. We're asked to, we can make only one video this year, you all, with the budget that we have. Um, and the one camera that we have that the lens is cracked and there's dust in there from 1985, we can only make one video this year, so make it count. And I think sometimes as communicators and as content creators, sometimes we think that make it count, this one thing, make it count, it has to encompass all the things versus doing one singular thing and one singular message really well and really impactfully. So instead of looking at it as a, here's, a, like you said, the three layers deep, this is singular and focused. It's going to hit the people that it needs to hit and have that impact. We're thinking deep in that perspective versus sometimes when we have those limited resources or even sometimes just that limited vision, we start to think really wide and try to be all things to everyone. And in the midst of doing that, targeting and hitting no one. And that's not the impact we were looking for to begin with. The link between student engagement and student success is clear. The more actively engaged students are, the more likely they are to learn, stick with their studies through to graduation, and attain their academic goals. Most higher ed institutions understand that link now better than ever. And yet in the last year, graduation rates are down 6%, retention is down 15%, and co-curricular engagement is down from 59 to 57%. Students cite struggles finding the right resource at the right time to feel engaged on their own terms, as well as an increasing level of mental health challenges and anxiety as some of the biggest barriers to engagement. That's where RaRa comes in. RaRa Student Engagement and Success Technology makes it easier for your students to engage with information, services, resources, and tools they need every day than a single app. Whether it's booking time with their advisor, signing up for an event or club, or learning more about financial literacy as a college student, with Rava, there's no more searching around various websites, social media pages, or looking through email inboxes. It's all within the Rava app. 
Even better, over time, the app will learn what is most relevant to your students and will push those resources first, similar to a Netflix experience. I actually downloaded Rara on my phone myself and got to try it out. Super cool, great curated content, and a great way really to make it a one-stop shop. We all know higher ed websites tend to be monsters. Start making student experience the center of everything you do by visiting raralife.com slash application. That's raralife.com slash application. Yeah, and so I've said three layers even, you have two. Just to clarify for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to hear us nerd out on content, three <laughs> layers deep is like a singular focus on an event or like a location. It's a niche and then it's also picking a style. So entertaining, inspiring, or educational. So it's, um, if you're going to talk about, and I, I keep using your mushroom guy example. I love I think that guy. Over several, several channels now, I think. <laughs> so mushroom guy is like, maybe that's me. Cause like, anyway, so we've got this example of like, there's a faculty member who's like an expert, right? Actually, you, you should explain it because it's your story and I probably have butchered it across channels now. So like, oh, tell, no. tell, tell me about I've, it. Well, no, I've heard you say it across channels and I was like, that's exactly right. So you're, <laughs> again, he has branded himself pretty freaking strong to have that. But essentially we had like a client who within their um, video content, we saw this really entertaining faculty member who is kind of like an expert forager. And he makes these like cool videos where he goes out and forages like mushrooms and different vegetation and tell you this is edible. This is not edible. This helps. This helps control the butterfly population. This helps kill the wolf population. And it's like so cool and so fascinating, especially if you're a nature person or if you're into plants kind of like myself. And essentially like this guy is just super cool and again we're focusing on him because one he's a faculty member at this school two he has a very niche and narrow point of view as far as why like his purpose behind making these videos and he's going to speak to not every like he's not going to resonate with absolutely everyone i'm sure i could tell this story to some people and they would be like i don't care about this mushroom freak out here going in the woods eating random plants off of trees like they're going to think that's weird and not cool but for someone like me it really resonates with me and so just thinking that as we're talking about the three layers one he's trying to educate but also for people like myself is extremely entertaining so he's almost like catching two there the emotional, I, the emotional connection I feel with the videos, I feel super inspired. One, and I also feel super knowledgeable after watching this. Like, I would be able to pick out a chicken of the woods mushroom if I was, <laughs> if, I, if I was out there. And then two, we talk about our um, another layer is like the singular focus. He's not talking about conservation. He's not trying to get me to. He's not trying to say, well, you should come to this university because I'll teach you how to do mushrooms. He's just talking about that singular like experience of him being in the woods that day and what he finds on any given day. And it's not to serve a purpose. It's not to push a CTA. It's not to get me to sign up for a visit on campus. It's really just for me to be enthralled with like the information that he can provide that I find useful. And that's kind of where I think what we talk about is so unique to TikTok. And even though I'm having this indirect experience with him via social media, I have that connection with him who is also attached to a brand, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting, I've been thinking a lot about zero click content 
I know it's like a Google thing, right? It's a Google search mm-hmm. thing. You search for it. You know, there's like mixed stats on it. I've seen anything where like 25% to 60% of Google searches don't end in a click. Whatever. I won't, we won't talk about that, but that's a zero click. <laughs> like the idea started there, I think, but like it's applicable to social mm-hmm. and social is a big topic, obviously. And it's not the only thing you do, but like it's a huge channel uh, source. Anyway, the idea of zero click content on social so like if you so the washington post if you go to the washington post instagram page for example they tell stories via carousels and you don't have to click because the story is told well enough through that content so i'm thinking about this alignment between if i was so the mushroom guy if i was in person with the mushroom guy i'd be experiencing this that we'd be walking through the woods wouldn't be my favorite thing to do but like we'll we'll hold it see different audiences you'll go instead you'll go and yes (laughs) I like the woods, um, maybe not the foraging part. Anyway, if he turned around and said, hey, Corinne, apply now. Like, what? Excuse me, what? <laughs> like, that would be the weirdest interaction. Exactly. Why do we treat indirect and direct so differently? Like, why can't we just do the thing? Like, why do we have to, be like, call to action, call to action? Like, or no, can I just enjoy the experience? Or in the inverse... Not even just from a CTA perspective, because I'm all about the foraging. I'm all about going in the woods. What happened if I, I'm like, hey, mushroom guy, I am like your biggest fan. Can we please go forage one day together? Because I've had this really great indirect experience with him. He says, yeah, come on, we'll, we'll go forage in the woods. And I get there and he's like, we're going through. And I'm like, hey, what what's this over here? Oh, I don't know. I kind of I, I kind of just take, you know, um, how you can do like the photo search on Google. I just kind of photo search it. I look it up and then I kind of just make the video and realizing that oh, this is not he's not who I thought he was. Like, this is not the experience that I thought like he's not as knowledgeable as I thought he was or this charisma that he has like on camera when I meet him in person like he's nothing like this we barely t- we've been on this trail for an hour and he said two words to me this is super awkward not what I signed up for and that's like the same thing where it's like hey not even just from a CTA being like being inconsistent or, or being jarring but when you get there the direct experience is not aligned with the indirect experience of like what actually got me here and one yes. of the things, and you know what's funny, and I'm going to, I need to finish making my graphics for it, but it was, um, I think that from a indirect experience and from a experiences in general, marketers can learn a lot from the concept of love is blind. Are you familiar with that show? Uh, is that the reality show? Yes. I am obviously not that familiar. <laughs> you do not watch the show. It's essentially where all these singles get together and they have to engage, they have to propose and get engaged before seeing the person. So the way you choose the person you're going to get engaged to is you're, you're kind of like do all these blind, like literal blind dates. You're in these pods, you talk for hours and hours and hours, and then you switch pods, do that with someone else. And you kind of keep doing that rotation until the end of the experiment. They say, well, who's going to get engaged? Like, who is someone that you're interested in? Who, you, who have you fallen in love with by just talking to them through this screen? And... Obviously what happens, you know, the big drama, it wouldn't be Netflix if it wasn't drama where people get engaged and you have this really positive, indirect experience with someone that you are enthralled with. Like you love this person, like at the end of this like engagement and talking phase, they meet in person and it's like, whoa, dude, you were 
like having to live in the real world, having to move in together, having to have these really hard conversations, seeing body language, like inflection in voice. Are you in the pod? You said you were a super clean and tidy person. I go visit your house and like there's garbage everywhere. Or you said that I'm a chill, low key person and we're on this vacation and you're like high strung the entire time. And it's like that indirect experience I had and fell in love with this person, or I guess even say like someone's personal brand or a brand. But when you get in person and have that experience directly and it doesn't align, it's like, how did we get here? Or are there better ways to have a more aligned indirect experience that aligns with like the direct experience? Cause it was one of those things I was thinking about randomly yesterday. Cause we always talk about, well, with higher ed and stuff, well, you, got, you got a date first. Like, don't just come out of the gate asking me for my email and my phone number and show and asking me to show up on campus just because I liked an Instagram post and you targeted me based off of that. <laughs> like, we have to date and get to know each other first. But like, when you try to expedite that and push that too far along, there's a lot of crucial steps that you miss in the middle which I think is like the whole purpose of love is blind. Like you try to skip the, you try, you know, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to skip the steps of like dating. And then at the end, you're like, I'm engaged to someone who I don't even know them. And I don't even love them anymore. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. <laughs> this was like an amazing full circle example there, Toppy. I think, and also it directly ties back to retention. So we have multiple, we, we know of multiple institutions where they hook students for one thing, and their students come, they are there for a year, and then they drop, mm-hmm. and retention is suffering. Mm-hmm. Or, like, can you imagine being, like, a high school student in the South and, like, going to, like, North Dakota University, and them not like, setting expectations that it's really freaking cold there, like, six months of the year, and there's snow everywhere? Could you imagine? Like, that would not be, again, like, a love is blind. Like, like only talk about the amazing only things the and amazing. not set expectations. Yes. Yes. And then also making sure that not because it's like a, it's a two way street, right? Like I'm someone who is one communicating like I want you to be interested in me. So I'm going to tell you all of the great things, but also as like the consumer on the other side, making sure that you have a good compass like internally to realize what's BS and what's not or trying to find other avenues to figure out how do I get more information about this experience? And I think that's where there are a lot of blind spots in marketing for higher ed because we're expecting our, or we're trying to give our students this experience via this one or two social media channels, a website and a print piece. And where are some of those other opportunities for us to create more of those touch points so they can make a really informed decision and have a better idea of what that direct experience is going to be like. And so it's like, hey, we're trying to control the narrative, like through these marketing funnels. But at the end of the day, we want to align with people who are going to enjoy the experience. We want to be true and authentic to ourselves so we attract the right people. Not everyone is your person. We did <laughs> Wait, what? For an <laughs> right? Um, I'm not your foraging person. Um, we were, Or your love is blind. I was getting ready to either. say. Are you telling me that I can't just walk out into my neighborhood right now and like find my match? I don't, I mean, maybe, but the odds of that. Um, (laughs) We have to figure out as, so like setting expectations to your point of like capturing 
experiences, capturing firsthand experiences to create indirect experiences and setting expectations and being real enough that it's not jarring when they get here because we have a retention crisis essentially in higher ed. There we are not. For some reason or whatever, the, I, I was just talking to somebody about this. The last 10 years have been focused on marketing communication. We need to focus in the next 10 years. We, we need to not stop focusing there, but we should also do some focus around retention because we are not doing a good job of retaining, providing customer service, thinking about student exp- current student experience. Because like you make all these promises and like get the people in the door and then it's like, oh, just kidding. Like we actually don't do this. I know you saw a campus tour video with no snow, but there's actually snow on the ground nine year, nine months out of the year. Sorry if you don't like snow. I mean, you should have Googled it probably, but like you maybe didn't realize how many, how much freaking snow there is. Um, And right now, like like your idea of retention too, like I feel like there's a, a layer of well, higher ed will win somewhere. There will be a winner somewhere in higher ed, right? Because if you if you lose a student, historically, right, the student's just going to go somewhere else. So it's like there's some there, there's these kids that are you know dropping and going somewhere else. But I think more and more what we've heard, at least from Simpson Scarborough, a lot of our clients are saying that they're not competing sometimes with other schools they're competing with the fact that students are just choosing not to come to college. And so it's mm-hmm. like, as some of these students, as we see that trend continue, it's not a win-win for higher ed. Like this person's going to leave a college and then go somewhere else. If they don't have a great experience that first time in college, they may not just go to another one. So it's not like you can pick up quote unquote, right. someone's you know leftovers or whatever it is. Like that person's just gone. They're going to do something else. And so it's just really interesting to think about that we are trying to recruit, 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 and not retain, 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 retain. Right. I think there's like a stat or like it costs like 10 times as much money to get a new person than it is to just retain. Um, And this idea that like, so we just did a project, right? Um, Actually, multiple projects where we do uh, net promoter scores for clients and we're like talking about like, who are your promoters? this idea of word of mouth and like if your current students aren't promoting you like i guarantee that is a top reason someone chooses an institution is because they trust a family friend or like a colleague or whatever and that person is talking about the institution they are promoting they are they have said yes i would recommend this institution to a friend or family and if their experiences aren't good they're not doing that. And the word of mouth engine in higher ed is so important, especially as trust wanes, um, questions about um, ROI and, uh, you know, all these things. We have to we have to do current student experience well because it impacts recruitment, which then impacts experience. Because if you're recruiting the wrong people, if you're showing these experiences, you're showing this amazing thing, they get there and it's not true. And now suddenly they are leaving, but also they're not promoting. Like this is like bad cycle yeah. of like just negativity. Bad we vibes. also talked about the reverse. We were talking about how the financial aid calculator, like from um, one of our colleagues, Carrie Shook, who's like an enrollment specialist, was talking about, you know, as a component on the website, the financial aid calculator is can be like really essential. Um 
an essential tool for how students make that decision. And so like you said, the negative indirect experience is hearing college is expensive, college is expensive. But a potential direct positive experience, if I go on a website and I use that financial calculator that tells me otherwise, I can afford Mm -hmm. this university. Here is how I afford it. And then being able to switch it from a, oh, I'm not going to go to college or this college because I can't afford it with the college having that direct positive experience of having a tool that says, no, you actually can go here. Like there are options for you to afford to go to college. And then one, having the access to go there. And two, we also even just talked about um, like just integrated experiences because now I go to the website, I find this amazing financial aid tool that says I can go at the end of it is like, here, speak to a financial aid officer, schedule a time to talk to them if you have one-on-one questions. Now, next week, I'm scheduled to have a phone call or go on campus to talk to someone about it. I have a really great connection with this financial aid officer in the university, and I'm already starting off on a really good foot when initially, when I started this indirect journey, not so great, but was able to turn it around to be a more positive experience. Yeah, so I think, and I also think like the stat is like of all the buttons on a website, like the tuition calculator is like number, is it's top. top. It's like yeah. a top, everybody clicks on it. It's a top button. And like this idea of like, we don't do a good job in higher ed of like showing actual costs. Yes. Airbnb just overhauled their pricing, how they show pricing mm. because of this. Because people are like, why don't I actually know how much this is going to be until like I'm checking out? And so they rehaul, they like overhauled yeah. it. It's a good question. Like why, why doesn't, why don't we talk about actual prices? Yes, or anything. I mean, also, I feel like higher ed has this perception of we're so new, we're so unique and we're so different and whatever works for other industries is not going to work for us. We are just this unicorn out in space that things are just different for higher ed as an industry. When we know that that is not necessarily true. I mean, like, like you said, Corinne, like thinking about that experience where like we talk about cost, we're talking about like just overall job market. We're at the age now where people are so sick of applying for jobs that do not list how much your salary is. You get through that entire process. I really love who my manager is going to be. I really love the office when you go in to do your interview or if you're doing it virtually. You you think this is going to be a great career opportunity and you've got 18 years of experience. And it's like, oh, by the way, uh, yes, you have been through six rounds of email or six rounds of interviews and the salary is... $12. And you're like, what the heck? And you know, like people, they put so much time, like so many resources goes into recruitment. It's it's literally the same thing for higher ed. So much resource goes into recruitment. Why do, why are we hiding behind all these walls? Like, because at the end of the day, if a student can't afford to go to your school or thinks they can't, they're not going to go. Right. The Nielsen Norman Group did a study on like the four top questions applicants ask or look for answers across like all higher ed. And it's like if it's not within three clicks, like they're mm-hmm. dropping and that is one of them is cost. Can I afford this? The other ones are like, do I see myself here? Do you have my program? Is it quality? And then like, can I get in? But the number one is cost. Like, can I find out how much this is going to cost me in a couple of clicks? Yeah. The answer is typically no. Um, I'm in higher ed and I'm very confused often about pricing. 
And I understand that's like, it depends on like how much you make on your FAFSA package. But honestly, you can't tell me, and I've done this work, so I know it's true. You can say, hey, here are a couple of basic profiles Mm -hmm. of individual students. Here are ranges of their income. Here's what they typically pay. And then here is a very specific calculator to help you. Like, I can't, we can't, you can't tell me in the age of like being able to like send a phallic looking rocket to space (laughs) by a private company that we can't figure out how to do better jobs of estimating costs for students. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I mean, we don't have the amount of money that they have, maybe, that that SpaceX has. But, like, we really can't figure out a better system. Why why do we hide pricing? It's an expectation setting, right? If I'm going to get my first bill and I'm like, holy shit, I can't afford this, and I'm, like, leaving, it wasn't worth the money to recruit me. Yes. Hey everybody, it's Zach from Enrollify here. So it's that time of year when your favorite brands release the best deals on your favorite products. And for the very first time, Enrollify is joining the party. So between now and the end of the year, you can get 50% off any Enrollify cohort or master course. Want to learn more about how to leverage SEO for student recruitment? We've got a cohort on just that, led by the SEO wizards at DD Agency. Or are you ready to learn more about how schools are leveraging TikTok? Enroll in our self-paced TikTok strategy for higher ed cohort. Or perhaps you are finally ready to join 550 other higher ed marketers in enrolling in Terry Flannery's master course on how to market a university. Use the discount code EOY50, that's EOY as in end of year, 50, for any of our asynchronous cohorts or EOY as in end of year, for our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery between now and 12-31-22 to receive 50% off. You can learn more at enrollify.org. Happy holidays, everybody. I want to talk briefly about this idea of so we, we talked about like capturing firsthand experiences to create indirect experiences, AKA content. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about three layers deep, like a singular focus, a niche, we, and, and maybe make it like either educational, inspirational, entertaining, like again, these three layers. And it works really well on social media, yeah. um, all social media, because that's what the consumers are doing is this curated, but niche curation of content. Yeah. So they're looking for that niche. Um, however, maybe it doesn't work as well for brand videos. So I'm thinking about like, um, institutions who post, who have videos going during football things. That makes me sound very anti-sports. I didn't mean to say sports. sports. We've got, we've got video content during the sports ball games. (laughs) And... Um, that was, yeah, that was bad. Um, yeah, so they got it on the sports ball game commercials. They got it on, like, their, their homepage. Um, but, like, how do you, and I don't have the answer, as I'm saying out loud, how do you capture experiences but don't lose the niche singular and kind of focus but step back and be able to showcase the university in a holistic way? And I, the Purdue example is a good mm-hmm. example, I think, of, like, following that individual in her own experiences. But I think there's also this layer of um, the hero's storytelling, hero's journey storytelling, which is, like, this concept that, like, 
institutions, well, it's a, it's a concept in general, but like applied to higher ed, it's like, we need to stop as, as brands, as universities, colleges, we need to stop acting like the hero and start acting like the guide. Yes. So like King Arthur and Merlin, like you are not a dear institution. You are not King Arthur. You're Merlin. You're the guide. Yep. Um, and so we got to let the hero who are the audiences um, shine. And I think that is a good way to align content that has to be a little broader. Mm-hmm. It can't just be a, a, a Instagram reel. It can't just be a single email. Um, you know, in a way that helps focus and stay niche, but at the same time provide that broad view. But I think it's like um, you, you mentioned this, like they're, they're going to spend thousands, they're going to spend thousands of dollars on these hero videos, mm. these brand anthems, whatever you want to call them. Do we have to do that? Can we produce instead of one big video? Could we do individualized sequential videos i mean maybe not on the sports ball stuff yeah. that could be a combination of them but like we've got the technology can we m- maybe do hero videos that are a little more specific or niche to like not the person but like the, the experience. experience yeah well i think that goes right? back to what we're trying to you know bring up a little bit higher is like the concept of episodic content like right like you have mm-hmm. you have a show we all have this concept of like when we're getting ready to watch a new show, for instance, like I know you use the Stranger Things example. I can use the Love is Blind example. We get to see that like the snippets. We know that there are 12 episodes in the show. There are 12 episodes that we're going to eventually see. We'll go through all those storytelling pieces and those experiences. But we have that trailer. And I think maybe the trailer is the problem right now we're we're being too much to everyone in that trailer versus trying to find mm-hmm. some of those more i think differentiating experiences that we talk about the singular and niche so like that trailer just needs to be three layers deep we're not saying that we're yeah. not saying that like hey we don't want to talk about all the variety of experiences that we can offer it's more so rephrasing the content within that trailer to capture all the layers. Um, Cause I think, I mean, we know that there are going to be multiple episodes. Like when we talk about the episodic content, there's going to be multiple episodes as a part of this show, but the trailer is the problem right now. We're getting so hung up on like these really super generic, everything for everybody trailers that we're kind of missing some of those really cool storytelling pieces. If that makes sense. So, that okay so wait hear me yes. out. all right so the, that's a amazing example the trailer is a problem the trailers are the ones that are being used on sports balls, sports balls yep. commercials and they're being used on the homepage. they're being used as like the the featured video on youtube mm-hmm. right the trailer and the, what we mean by trailer and maybe this is not what you mean but what i'm thinking about is it's a trailer for the university mm-hmm. like essentially like the, all the experiences you're ever going to have here we're like putting it into a video and that's the trailer is so broad Mm -hmm. that we're having problems with differentiation. So why would you, so stay with me here in psychology, Mm -hmm. right? We have expectations. Everybody expects universities to have beakers and lab coats, a clock tower. What if, because in psychology, right? Those are 
expectations. Everybody expects those things to happen. Those are those are points of parity. They are like, you have to have these to like be considered in the industry, but it's not surprising you have them. So like remove those things. Like don't put that in yep. your trailer. Cause that, that people are already expect. It's like, if like Hawaii made a trailer and is like, we have beautiful beaches. Like, yeah, okay, duh. duh. Like, I know that. <laughs> like, tell me something new, yeah. right? Why convince me? So, like, don't talk about your clock tower. And I, this is a little reductive, I realize. But we're on a podcast and I can do what I want. It's my podcast, right? <laughs> it's a little reductive. But, but what if you left out, folk, like, what, what five points of parody? What five things can we leave out that everyone assumes we already have because we're just in this industry? Yeah. And can we then shift into, like, the points of differentiation? What can we talk about that would be niche? Sure. The mushroom guy, if we put him in our trailer, would be niche. But if that mushroom guy represents our values Mm -hmm. and the type of student we wanted to attract, then there's no problem because that will be like, hey, not not, we're not for everybody. If you don't want to go foraging with mushroom guy... You're not our people, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, and maybe we're gonna retain more people, right? And it's okay for the hero video to not be all encompassing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, is that like this crazy concept of quality versus quantity? I don't know if you've heard of that before. <laughs> um, it's, oh, yeah. it's proprietary yeah. thinking of mine. <laughs> mm. But yeah, like, damn, you should. I'm charged. I getting there, getting there. Um. And like it's one of those things too where it's funny that you say it's funny that you say that because I feel like we talk about like the clock towers and we're trying to be like silly about it, but that really is a thing, right? Like we sit here <laughs> It's a serious We sit here every day and we talk about and even going on like the campus tours or just tours in general, like we wanna show you our fountain. It's like cool but like what what is unique about this particular like fountain this is experience like i don't know about you but i did not go to the university of south carolina because of the fountain and because of the clock tower or because of what i know shocking and people want to lean so far into that but those are like i think what do you call them like a table stakes is that what is that what we call them yeah where it's like people are People want them and expect them already. And so I'm not going there because you have something that I expect you to have. I want to go there because you have something I didn't know I needed, but I love it. You got to surprise and delight. That's the only way to attract, right? You got to exceed expectations. And this idea of like um, table stakes, like if you, so I was like, um, I may be using this incorrectly, but I think about like a heuristics, like people already know things, use it. Use that information they already know. Universal mm-hmm. knowledge of what higher ed is, which is probably clock towers. Um, so it's like we don't need to re- we don't need to cover that again. It's already been covered. Yeah. In the the you know in the syllabus, like stop. You know we're we're, we're past that. Like can we can we build off yeah. of it instead? I think we just solved the world problems. I think so. so. Um, I want to acknowledge that oftentimes marketing communications individuals are like, yeah, absolutely. How about you go tell the president that they're not listening? Acknowledge. Yeah. So I understand that this is like, you know, us talking and not having to talk to a president. Although I've had to talk to multiple presidents like this. Week, yeah. So just to be fair, I'm not having to convince them yes. to stop using their clock tower, which is probably a much harder ask, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But just send them this recording. Or maybe don't. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. not this one. 
but it's it's weird because I always feel like it does take that third party sometimes to get that Mm. leadership by I don't know why that is though like because me and you we talked about it right like last week everyone went to AMA and then over the last since since the AMA somebody was talking about TikTok at AMA there was some presentation because we have been asked about points of view for TikTok security like content development because our AVP or our CMO came back from AMA and they they're all hyped up about TikTok now it's like please raise your hand if you were talking to your CMO or your director about TikTok before AMA everybody, everybody has raised their hand but it took a what how much do those tickets cost to attend an AMA per person how much is that no i plus no the flight to probably get across the country to attend AMA plus the hotel Plus the per diem of food every day. It took the thousands of dollars <laughs> to attend AMA for a 30 minute session when you had someone already in house, like trying to get you along. But it took, but it took that to, to get the conversation started. And I hate that for us. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we do this outside of higher ed, right? It's like social mm-hmm. proof, reading reviews. Even if my mom would to suggest something, I would like, no, I'm going to go read the reviews. Because I don't trust her, like, judgment on things. On uncertain things, I guess not all Because she's like, been sold an indirect experience that she is riding the high on. And I'm like, mom, I know the reality. Like, I know. I need I need some more uh, other points of view on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we should just, um, we should just present an AMA. That's what we should do. We should present this exact podcast and talk about, we'll, we'll name it. No to the clock tower. <laughs> to the no clock to the clock tower. tower. No one gives a beep about your clock tower. <laughs> Unless it has something really, cool. really interesting or cool. Like, I don't know what that would be, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But it's got to be like, you know, I don't even know what I can even. I can't even think of an example of what would <laughs> differentiate a clock tower from like something else besides whether like it's something really weird. Listen, if it's like confirm haunted. Maybe. Yeah. If you're not down for spooky, you're not our student. <laughs> like, this just... <laughs> we only recruit Wednesday Adams like, students. Please do not apply if you are not Wednesday Adams. I mean, Persona that... building. We've already done Like We know it. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we stop? I think just to bring it around, this podcast was about marketers and how we are tasked with creating authentic and unique indirect experiences that align with the real experience that someone will have when they have a direct experience and go back to I think what probably minutes 10 to 21 that's when we talked about it and then the rest minute one and we didn't talk about it since (laughs) that's what the podcast was supposed to be about but I think mm. that we've given you some food for thought, if nothing else. Yeah. And also, this yeah. is my application for Love is Blind. <laughs> and uh, how I want to, ex- like, I really, there's so much, sci- there's so much, like, marketing psychology that goes on behind that show that I could talk about it all, like, just that. But it's just one of those things where, like, you want to just, I don't know, and Karen, you... I think like you start this by asking, well, how do we make that content? And I'm still going to lean into 
the three layers deep being probably one of the most important ways to yeah. approach that. Well, it's like, um, start with, start with table stakes and assume table stakes are good. I know assumptions are bad, but I think we could start with like, Hey, we table stakes are probably mm -hmm. fine. You have a clock tower table stake. You have a dining hall table stake. You have small classes table stake. Everybody's got small classes. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, whatever, like start there and like, don't go into mm -hmm. that. Like find something that's like different mm -hmm. and then go three layers deep. And then create a trailer for your sports balls mm -hmm. that then bring those three layers deep things that are not table stakes. They're actually different and produce that trailer. I think that's the equation. I think that yeah. is too long. Didn't read version of the hour long podcast. We just listened <laughs> to. If you had to understand what the hell we just said, that is, that is a too long. Didn't read. Yep. Boom. Boom. Solved. We answered our own question. All the time. We we ha we literally have to. <laughs> Who else is going to do it? <laughs> All right. Thank you for doing this. Thanks Stop for me. having me. That's a wrap for this episode. Please rate and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. And remember, a better student experience is always the answer. Hey, all Zach from Enolify here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Application with Corinne Myers. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month. And we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.